All right. So uh, today we've been joined by Kent McDonald, who writes about and practices software product management. He has product development experience in a variety of industries, including retail, fintech, agriculture, financial services, and uh, other industries as well. Uh, Kent practices his craft with a variety of product teams and provides just-in-time resources for product people at um, InsideProduct.co and Product Collective. Uh, when not writing or product managing, Kent is his, uh, is his family's uh, hashtag Uber Sherpa, listens to jazz and podcasts, but not necessarily podcasts about jazz, and collects national parks. And I was curious about um, collecting national parks. What is? Mm -hmm. Can you kind of elaborate on that before we get yeah. started? That one seems to trip folks up. Um, first of all, thanks for thanks for having me on the podcast. Sure. Um, my family and I are on a quest to visit all uh, sixty three at current count uh, U.S. national parks. So, oh. yeah, we're current. We've made it. Uh, we've we've hit forty eight of them, um, and we're down to the ones that are a little bit harder to get to now. So. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. yeah, that that tripped me up a little bit. So um, <laughs> let's get started. Um, uh, first of for business analysts um, and, you know, what and how would you recommend a business analyst start a project? Because many times we have instances where, you know, business analysts are thrown into projects in between um, an effort or an initiative. Mm -hmm. um, what would you recommend uh, a business analyst or how they start a profit project? Yep. So, and I, uh, I'll start off by saying that um, I have been working in IT space and doing software product development for more years than I care to count. Um, and a lot of that uh, at the beginning was as a business analyst slash project manager at the time and have moved into product management um, in the last five years or so. Uh, and so <clears throat> one of the things with what business analysts can do to make sure the project they're in is successful is uh, first start off with whether they should actually be working in a as a part of a project mm -hmm. or if it's maybe better suited for treating as a more of a long, longer ongoing thing, more of a product type approach. Now, often uh, business analysts may not be in a position to do much about that apart from knowing how to change their approach. Um, mm -hmm. So... What I would would suggest, first of all, is is understand um, how success is being measured for whatever effort they're working on, whether it's structured in the project or a product or whatever, mm -hmm. um, and then have an understanding about uh, whether that measurement of success actually makes sense uh, for the organization they're working for. Um, so um, I've had the opportunity to be on projects where uh, success was defined as deliver some type of system mm -hmm. by a certain date um, under a certain budget. And uh, in those situations, I found it's always helpful to understand why is it we're actually delivering this, this particular piece of software? And are there underlying problems that people are, are aware of that we're actually going to solve? Or are we going to deliver this software and then people are still not going to actually have the pro underlying problem solved that they're really hoping to? Um, That's yeah, and it's interesting you you brought it up because um, you you touched upon project and product. Can you kind of mm -hmm. elaborate on the differences between the two? Sure. Uh, so a, a product uh, and and it in the terms that we're talking about here today, it's kind of how organizations structure the work they're doing 
especially uh, custom development of systems and applications inside of organizations, because that's really where business analysts can play a lot. Those types of situations, I've found that taking a product approach where it's we're building something that's going to be maintained for the long term, mm -hmm. hopefully by the same team uh, that builds it and owns it. So they build it, but then if anything goes wrong with it, they also own fixing it. Mm. And they're looking at maintaining that on an ongoing basis. So they're looking at what they're putting together as an asset. Mm -hmm. um, that also means is that they're not measuring success based on just delivering something, but they're actually basing their success off of, did we solve a problem that we set out to, to solve? So that's kind of more of an, a product approach. A project approach um, is more along the lines of, we have a very specific solution that we want to uh, deliver. Mm -hmm. And we need to make sure we do that uh, within a certain amount of time a certain mm -hmm. amount of cost and make sure it has certain um, a, a area of scope that it covers. Um, and so that doesn't say that projects aren't uh, necessary and aren't the appropriate way to work in all situations. Mm -hmm. um, but it also means that projects aren't the way to do it all situations. So for example, if I were attacking a problem where we knew that we needed to develop some kind of custom piece of software, I would be more inclined to take a product approach to that. If, however, um, we were implementing a uh, maybe an off-the-shelf type of thing, or we were addressing a very specific um, interaction with another company, mm -hmm. that might be better suited for a project, right? Interesting, um, yeah. So I think what or one thing organizations um, don't do themselves any favors is they don't stop and think about what's the best way to structure this work when they get started. Yeah, and the and the other um, part of it is as well is is how do you you touched upon this earlier is how do you um, define success mm -hmm. for a project versus a product and you sort of sort of hinted at it when you said, you know, the organizations don't take a lot of time to determine whether it should be project or product driven approach. Right. Um, how, how do they, how do you define what success looks like in mm -hmm. a project versus a product based approach? So let me, let me give you an example that I'm living through right now where mm -hmm. I am at, at the same time working on a project mm -hmm. and a product. Uh, so working for a, a company uh, that's a subsidiary of a large retailer. Mm -hmm. And this is a subsidiary that the large retailer recently purchased back. So they bought it back from it had been spun off. Mm -hmm. um, and so a project uh, that I was actually brought on as a freelance to work on was to say, we want to start selling the products from um, this particular subsidiary in mm -hmm. the retail stores of the, the broader chain. Um, so that's that is a definite project where the it's the effort involved in going in and getting those products listed for sale in, in the bigger company. Mm -hmm. um, definitive beginning and end. Um, you your success is measured by hey we've got those products available to order inside the store when you walk in there. Mm -hmm. um, as part of doing that, we realized that the way product data was organized in the subsidiary it spread across two or three different source systems. And there are a lot of initiatives that say, boy, we would really like to have product data, but we gotta, every time someone new pops up, we gotta go and get it from all the different source systems. Mm -hmm. So a product we're working on is an ongoing longstanding data platform that does the consolidation of that product data. 
and then provides it to all these different initiatives that are doing different ways of getting the organization's uh, wares uh, out available to its customers. Okay. Mm -hmm. Success there is a particular outcome. Um, and with, uh, with data platforms, that outcome can be a little squishy, but for this, it's really, we're enabling other efforts down the road to get up and running faster because they don't have to do the, the foundational work of pulling all the product data together and figuring out how it it joins up. Someone's doing that for them. So we're, we're expediting, um, getting other, initiatives up and running is kind of the outcome there. Okay. So it's really, what's the main result we're trying to get done? Yeah, yeah. Um, why do product projects or products fail? Or maybe it's an and question. Why do product projects fail in your opinion? And mm -hmm. why do the, why do products-based uh, efforts fail? Um, it, it does kind of go back to the whole thing of measures of success to a little mm -hmm. bit. So let's start with projects. Uh, projects often fail because um, sometimes they're set up to fail from the beginning. Mm -hmm. So uh, one of the things I, I've in the, you know, three, two or three decades I've worked in, in IT, one of the things I've found is that oftentimes projects get started with unreasonable expectations. Um, so they end up, uh, the people that get things going um, often have the mindset of how hard could it be? And surely this can happen within a certain time frame, which is usually just picked out of the air. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and um, they lock the team into a definitive list of scope items and then lock them into a specific budget and lock them into a specific time frame, and don't give the team any kind of flexibility to adjust when they get in and actually start learning things. Mm -hmm. The projects are often started up thinking, well, if we do a lot of analysis at the very beginning, we'll know everything that we need to know, and then we'll be able to figure it out, which I found is not the case. Um, usually the best way when you're working in software to learn something is actually go and build the thing you're trying to build, mm -hmm. and you're learning throughout the entire process. So you need to have some flexibility to adjust when stuff happens, because it inevitably will happen. Um, another reason that both projects and products fail is that you're not very clear on what is it you're ultimately trying to accomplish. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of times, projects especially, a team will get handed a solution to go deliver, um, but there isn't a lot of thought given to, is that the best way actually to solve the pro ultimate problem we're trying to do? Um, and sometimes you end up doing a lot more work um, than you probably needed to to solve a, a fairly straightforward problem if you took a different approach to it. Um, yeah. No, go ahead. And so, and then again, with, with products, especially another thing is, 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 um, and with projects to some extent is the uh, second day problem. So um, especially when you're locked into a specific time frame, uh, you get in, you think you start off with these very ambitious plans to get all of this stuff done. Mm -hmm. You get into it and you realize we're not going to be able to get it all done. So you start hacking away thinking, oh, well, we'll do that in phase two. Um, and, and oftentimes, um, by the time that phase one is done, the organization and the team is so tired of working on this thing. They just say, well, let's just, let's just move on to something else. And so phase two never happens. That's especially a problem with right. projects, whereas products, hopefully you're saying we're going to get enough out there so that we can learn some stuff from it. And then we're going to iterate on it and adjust, uh, based on what we see with people with feedback and what people are using the product. 
Yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, so we, when you talk about phase two, does does um, agile sort of gear more towards a lean more towards project versus product? Do you think, or does agile sort of cover both um, sort of paths? Uh, it all depends on who's implementing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so from the if you look at the core foundations of the ideas and the values and the principles underlying Agile. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not necessarily talking here about the Agile manifesto for a second, but just the lower concepts that you want to um, build things in short increments and learn from it and cycle mm-hmm. and iterate. It applies to both. If you look at the Agile manifesto and the words used in it, it has a definitive project focus to it. And I think that's because of the 17 guys, and they were all men at the time mm-hmm. that wrote it. They all worked, uh, they all mostly, they most of them worked in consulting arrangements with companies and they were working in a project schema. Now, mm-hmm. if you talk to people in the agile community now, they'll say, oh, but yeah, but we're really set out to do product development. That shift has kind of occurred as people started really trying to think more in terms of products from back in 2001 when, when things were originally created around Agile Manifesto. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you had people using Agile in uh, tech companies that actually built software products, they tended to work more in a product fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, the underlying concepts of Agile work good in either way. It's how people choose to interpret them yeah, and look at the words that are written to describe it originally. That's uh, that brings up another question. Um, when we talk about business analysts in the agile setting, mm-hmm. um, you know, are there steps that that business analysts can take to ensure a successful project? Many agile projects don't have business analysts, right? So there's there's roles that transcend. Um, but I, I consider business analysis at this point more of a skill set mm-hmm. than a role. <clears throat> Uh, but someone with that skill set, what would you recommend? Um, or what 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 is success? What would success look like for them in a um, agile based setup, um, if you will? Yep. In a very in a very simple in very simple terms, mm-hmm. um, you're doing the same type of work that you have done before. The difference is when you do it how frequently you do it and the extent to which you do it. Mm. So back in when I first started as a business analyst, and this was before agile was a thing. So that'll date me a little bit. (laughs) Um, The big thing was, and I mentioned this earlier, a big thing was, is we're going to do a big analysis phase at the beginning to try and learn everything we can so that we can figure out how long this thing's going to take. Now, my comments aside about the, you can't learn everything at the beginning without doing like through the whole process that's how things were approached then. From an agile standpoint, what one of the things you're doing is you are going into the effort inherently understanding that we can't learn everything right off the bat. So we need to figure out how can we make our way through that cycle of uh, uh, discover, design, deliver, test, implement, deploy, get feedback, rinse and repeat. How can we get through that cycle as fast as possible? Mm-hmm. So all of the analysis tools that you used before are still very helpful, but you're not going to do, try to do 
understand all of the processes that you could possibly do. You're not going to try and understand all of the data that you might have to deal with. You're not going to try and understand all of the business rules you have to deal with. You're going to parse that up and say, okay, right now we're going to solve this particular aspect of the problem or deliver <laughs> this particular aspect of the solution. So let's understand the bit of the process that this aspect of the solution covers, what business rules are applicable, what data is doing, and set things up such that you can iterate over that as you go along. What that does is it allows you to do a little bit of analysis, understand what you need to do to build that part of it, and then use what you learn while building that part of the solution to influence how you approach analysis for the next bit. Um, what you do, what it does, is it makes you much more effective doing analysis and understanding the problem as you go through it, because you're using the stuff you learned from previous experience just a couple of weeks ago mm -hmm. to help you avoid pitfalls that you might otherwise not have known about, and even avoid some work that you don't have to do because you realize we thought this might have been a problem, but as we got into it, dug into it deeper, it's really not something we have to worry about. Or what usually happens oh boy, we've got a lot more problems that we have to solve that we weren't anticipating. Right, right, right. Um, are there techniques that you have under your belts um, that you would sort of recommend for um, analysts or business analysts to sort of understand what, what a problem is? Um, you know, many times business analysts use root cause analysis, mm -hmm. really get to the root of what the problem is. And that really helps um, the, the whole idea of success, right? You identify the problem up front and, and sort of drive towards resolving that problem. Are there any sort of tips or techniques that you have under your belt to really identify what the problem is or what, what, what are we looking to solve? Yeah, there's a, uh, there's a couple of uh, approaches I use that are kind of like Mad Libs for business analysts. Okay. It, it, it's all ways of structuring discussion with very specific questions to ask. Mm -hmm. um, one of them, uh, which is a, a little bit simpler, is, is problem statement. Um, so it's basically, and, and an exercise I've done with this one is when I'm getting started on uh, a new effort, I'll get together the key people that are involved in, in what it is, like stakeholders, uh, users, if, if we have that, mm -hmm. um, and the team uh, that's going to be working on it, get them together in a room or virtually. Um, mm -hmm. but face-to-face -face is frankly more helpful for this. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Give each one of them four sticky notes and have them write one on each separate sticky note. So one of them, they write the problem of, um, the second one is the impact of which is the mm -hmm. third one is effects. So who does that affect? Mm -hmm. And then the fourth one is what are some characteristics of a good solution? Mm -hmm. So I have everybody do that individually. And then I have everyone stand up and read through theirs individually and put the various sticky notes on four part, four different parts of the wall. Mm -hmm. um, what you find during that exercise, and I've done this when I'm just getting started with an effort, and I've also done it for efforts that are well underway. Mm -hmm. um, what it very quickly shows is how different people from different responsibilities view the thing they're trying to do differently. Um, and it's, it's interesting when you're just getting started and it can be kind of discouraging, but very enlightening for an organ for a project that's well underway mm -hmm. because, and I've worked the first time I did this exercise, I did it with the team that had been working on something for about eight weeks. And we mm -hmm. did this exercise 
and it was a it was an effort to redo or working on a, a commission system for insurance agents. Mm-hmm. And the problem statements ranged from, oh, we're just trying to kind of retrofit the existing thing we have now to make it easier to maintain, mm-hmm. all the way to we're going to completely overhaul how we're paying our agents. Mm-hmm. So if you've got a team of people working on something and they have that wide a range of, of understanding about what it is they're working on, that can sometimes lead to, lead to some uh, confusion, some uh, interesting decisions, and some wildly disparate uh, mm-hmm. routes of, of going. So that's a great way to get everybody on the same page to understand, oh, this is really what it is we're trying to accomplish. Um, that's, that's a handy, quick way of doing it. It's it's all about what are the, what are some good questions to use to kind of guide those discussions uh, to make sure everyone is chancing to voice out, here's what I think we're working on. Is this really what it is we're trying to accomplish? And do you find by doing this exercise, it actually gets to the core of what the problem is, even though people may perceive the problem differently? What it does especially well is point out where there are disparate views. Um, mm. Then it kind of it relies on having the right people in the room uh, to get to what is it we're ultimately trying to do. So for um, efforts inside organizations, one of the right people in the room is the person that came up with the idea in the first place. Mm -hmm. So usually they're titled sponsors or something like that. Um, There's some reason that they fired off the effort to get this going in the first place. Um, And if anything else, uh, you'll get a chance for everybody on the team to say, well, we have these differing view perspectives. We probably need to dig into why it is we're doing this a bit further. Mm-hmm. Really understand that. Uh, sometimes when I've done, one time when I did this exercise on something that was just starting, um, we were able, and it was in a, a different, another retailer, uh, we were able to identify no one really had a good idea of why they're wanting to do what they were setting out to do. And we actually paused the effort because it was like, there's no compelling reason to start work on this thing right now because it's not clear what problem it is we're trying to solve. Right. That's that's interesting because how do you <clears throat> also, how, how does that even come to fruition to the point where, you know, they're, you're investigating um, whether this, this should go down the path of, of being solved or resolved with a project or, or a product-based approach? Um just one more thing in that, um, is there any, or do you have any recommended resources for business analysts um, that they can use? I know you've written a book uh, mm-hmm. and um, actually, in fact, a couple of books. How, how, what, are there any recommendations out there? I, um, I'm going to, I'm going to use this as an opportunity for a, sh- a shameless, shameless uh, plug. Um, sure. And I, I would encourage uh, business analysts to head out to insideproduct.co. Uh, where they can find um, information right now. My main focus with that site is to um, take a look at how the ideas behind product management can be applied inside organizations. So the area that BAs typically play. Um, And there's a definite uh, flavor of that in how to be an agile business analyst, which is my most recent book Mm -hmm. um, with that as well. But if you don't want to buy the book, you can get a lot of the same content from insideproduct.co. Um, have a newsletter that I kick out, uh, once a week, um, getting back on that schedule. Um, and then I'm always available. If people have questions, they can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, 
and ping me for, for questions. Uh, I love talking through scenarios and say, hey, well, um, I've been in something similar. Here's how I might suggest you, you tackle that. That's great. Um, <clears throat> so if people want to learn more about you, they'll go mm -hmm. to your website at insideproduct.co. We'll yep. provide the links to the show in the show notes below. Um, and I, I really appreciate you coming on board. Um, and I, as I said, I was under, under the weather a bit, a little, little bit right now. Um, but thank you so much for joining. I appreciate your time. And uh, I will put the link to your books as well as to your website uh, in this podcast, as well as our YouTube channel and uh, our website. Thank you so much. Great. Thank you. Appreciate it.